SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. I am your host as always, Brian Stone, joined by Texas State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Fidal Espinoza. Uh, Vidal, just off the top here, uh, I wanted to do a little bit of a, I guess, PSA. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add, and if you don't, we can just move on. Um, I just want to let everybody know, uh, if you're stumbling onto the website for the first time, reading the writing, listening to the podcast. No, actually, I'm not going to use the podcast. If you come onto the website and you look and you feel like some of the takes are a little homerish it's because the writers only write about the teams they care about we are not assigned beats uh to cover certain teams like this is passion projects for us so like vidal just to use you as an example you're a big texas state fan you decided to write about texas state for our website same thing with me for georgia southern we're not required to have you know reporter journalistic objectivity so just keep that in mind, everybody, when you're reading previews, recaps. I try to keep it right down the middle as I can. However, you know, if people seem a little biased towards one side or the other, that is the reason why. Uh, if you don't have anything to add, we can jump right into the, the games from this past weekend. Um, no, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. All right, perfect. So getting into the Saturday games, uh, speaking of Texas State, uh, faced off with number 20 at the time, Coastal Carolina falling 49-14. to 14. Uh, You know, tough game for you guys. Obviously, te- you know, Coastal seems like a team on a mission this year. Um, you know, since you probably watched this game super closely, give me your overall impressions for both sides. Well, Coastal just... They look like a machine. It was they were calling this game a trap game, and it was going to go either way. It was going to be a really, really close game where Texas State was going to play them close, or it was going to be a blowout. We got the blowout. Um, Coastal just looked really good on both sides of the ball. Um, all their drives were efficient. Um, didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, the weather was was uh, horrendous. I was at the game. It was pretty cold and windy and rainy, and uh, that didn't stop them. Uh, Texas State looked a little uh, rigid out there. Um, but yeah, Coastal looked really good. Uh, this was Texas State's last game of the season and the first uh, college team to play 12 games. I think that warrants a uh, bowl berth. <clears throat> and um, uh, they, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they haven't won a season finale since November 29th of 14 uh, when they beat Georgia State. And uh, the trend continues. They seem not to be able to win later in the season. Uh, Texas State, they're, they're they got a lot of young guys. You know, they're trying to you know transition with a lot of new guys, and uh, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, local journalist named Drew King tallied up all of the missed games that the Bobcats uh, 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 suffered. So they had ten players with season-ending injuries that missed a six, uh, combined sixty-eight games. 34 with non-season ending injuries, uh, another 34 combined games, and then 18 because of COVID. That was another 25 games. So 127 total missed games on this roster this year. So the talent is there. The drive is there. It's just a lot of 
circumstances, both with injuries and then with the current pandemic that have just kind of, uh, have kind of just bogged them down. But Coastal is a good team. No excuses. They, they, uh, they did a really good job, especially on the ground. They had seven uh, players that had double digit running uh, rushing yards. They had a uh, 406 rushing yards in that game, uh, which is the fifth most in school history and the most against an FBS team. They just, yeah, Coastal looks pretty good. They were rolling along. They didn't let the, uh, the trap game, you know, quote unquote, you know, get them. And they took care of business and it's on to bigger things. Texas State, they're done for the year and uh, on to the offseason. The team, uh, as I said, seven different rushers uh, went for at least 24 yards in this game. Uh, Grayson McCall chipped in 154 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, you know, it's one of those things, not not really that a lot to say about this one. You know, Texas State was able to, uh, you know, score at least two touchdowns. Uh, so that that was at least something they didn't get completely blanked on the scoreboard. So, um, yeah, I mean, hats off to Coastal. They're obviously a, a, a really, a really important uh, force in the uh, in the Sun Belt as a whole this year. Mm hmm. Uh, so with that, Coastal moves to 9-0 and uh, on the season 7-0 and in conference play. Texas State, as you said, drops to 2-10, and 2-6 and in conference play to close out their year. Uh, getting into the next game here, uh, my Georgia Southern Eagles uh, fell short of Georgia State. Um, you know, going back to, to kind of what I said at the top about um, – being trying to be as objective as, as I possibly can when I, when I'm evaluating this game, uh, Georgia Southern has kind of been the same story the last two weeks, uh, both against Georgia State and Army. Uh, to be totally honest, they've just folded uh, in the in the second half of football games. I mean, they come out, they look pretty good to start off, and then you know it, it's really weird they kind of they kind of score 21 points offensively and then they just really took their foot off the gas and you know just a little inside information for people who don't quite follow the eagles as as closely as i do um you know offensive coordinator bob DeBest was was let go after this game on sunday morning uh credit to georgia state uh they came in they played a full 60 minutes because it would have been really easy down 24 to 13 with 14 minutes to play to kind of go, eh, it's not our day. You know, we, we've really struggled. We scored one touchdown up to that point. But, you know, they scored, what, 17 unanswered uh, in the last 12 minutes of this game. Like I said, Georgia Southern just, I mean, they've just folded kind of like a cheap suit the, the end of these last two games. <laughs> and, I mean, that's kind of been their uh, MO this season is they just – they don't finish unless I, 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 they don't finish in games where they're closely matched with other teams. You know, they play really well, except for the Troy game. I'll say they, they play really well against teams that they should handle uh, going away. They, they will close them out. If the team, except for Troy, if the team is on equal footing or better than them, they just fold. And, you know, like I said, ended up costing the best his job and and yeah it is what it is yeah we both said this game was going to be close uh in the last podcast um i was thinking more like a field goal maybe uh it could have been 
the big uh, one of the big differences in the game is uh, uh, Georgia Southern kicking field goals was one for three, whereas Georgia State was three for three. So that's six points left off the board that could have tied the game. Um, Georgia Southern, like you said, you know they they had the lead from the start of the second quarter when they scored a touchdown all the way to two fifty four left in the game when Georgia State uh, took the lead. Um, it was I didn't watch the game, but just uh, looking at the highlights and the in the stats, um, it could have you know the the missed field goals were just that was a uh, you know <clears throat> that was a big. That was a big uh, letdown for Georgia Southern. It could have, you know, could have had an opportunity to, to keep it close. But like you said uh, about the offense coordinator, the best being let go. Um, you've many times have, you know, talked about his ineptitude. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here and how the, they finish the rest of the season off. So the one thing I'll say is um... – the most uh, successful era in the in the recent years of Georgia Southern football was when uh, Willie Fritz was the coach uh, from 2014 to 2015 before he moved on to Tulane. Um, their offensive coordinator at the time was named Doug Ruse. Um, Ruse had been our tight ends coach all year. So he is stepping into a team where he knows the scheme, because we just did this, you know, what, five years ago, uh, going back to 2015. He knows most of the players because, you know, Fritz kind of, eh, I guess they would have kind of aged out by this point, but some of them he's, you know, somewhat familiar with. Um, and and like I said, it, it's almost to a point where we couldn't have gotten any worse than, than what we were dealing with with the best. I mean, there had been multiple games this year where it felt like, once Georgia Southern scored two or three touchdowns in a game, that was it. Like they were just hanging it up and being like, and and they did this on on Saturday again. Credit to Georgia State because you know a, a lesser team could have just quit down. You know, like I said, what twenty four to thirteen it was. So mm-hmm. you know, credit to them for sticking in there. However, Georgia Southern's had this issue all year where. Like I said, they score two or three touchdowns, and then the best it feels like he takes his he took his foot off the gas, and then he would almost dare the defense of Georgia Southern to win games for them, and clearly that's not a winning strategy. Um, you know, one of the bigger issues he had all year was when something worked, he immediately went away from it, and there was no better example of that in this game than Logan Wright uh, had 143 yards and two carries or uh, 143 yards and two touchdowns. He only had eight carries the entire game. If I understand you want to spread the wealth running the ball, if a guy has eight carries and is averaging 18 yards a, a touch, maybe it's, maybe you should give him the ball a little bit, little bit more. Mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, the rest of the team, him and, him and Matt LaRoche were the only ones who really had any success running the ball. Shy Wirtz was in and out of the game with an injury. Uh, we're down JD King, Wesley Kennedy the third. I mean, we're we're essentially we're playing with our B squad in the backfield. If something is working with this team, you cannot go away from it. They're not good enough to to mix it up for just the sake of doing it. So, you know, it, I I think Chad Lunsford made the right decision letting him go. I think it's been a little overdue though. Um, 
you know, both these Army and Georgia State games were very winnable if you have a more competent offensive coordinator in there. But, I mean, to be totally realistic, they're probably going to end the year at 500 going 6-6, six and six, and it's just going to be a second consecutive loss season after going 7-6 and six last year. Yeah, I... The, I guess the, uh, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be interesting what Georgia Southern does, you know, uh, next year. And, uh, I mean, you, you summed it up pretty good. I don't have anything else to add <laughs> except that, uh, yeah, Georgia State, they capitalized on the mistakes and uh, came away with the win. And, um, yeah. Well, I, so I do just want to take a little bit of time to talk about Quad Brown, uh, the Georgia State quarterback. I, I thought he was a little shaky to start. Um, some of his throws, you know, he was go, throwing it way over guys' heads. He was skipping the ball to him a little bit. But then he felt like he really settled into a groove, and they were getting him some easy completions out to, you know, guys like Sam Pinckney, uh, Cornelius McCoy, Terrence Dixon. Once he kind of settled in, I mean, the guy threw for 372 yards and a touchdown with a with an interception. But, I mean, you know, credit to him. He's, he's uh, single-handedly the reason they won this game because when you look at the team rushing stats for the Panthers, they averaged 1.5 yards per carry. So they essentially put the entire game on his shoulders once they kind of realized the running game wasn't there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he really um really stepped up, had a pretty good game. Um let the you know, the passing offense kind of uh taking past Georgia Southern. Yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern has has had this in spurts where they just forget guys are on the field uh for the other team, like they just don't acknowledge them. And and you know, Pinkney was kind of that way. McCoy was kind of that way. There were just plays where they would catch the ball and Georgia Southern's defenders are like, is he allowed to be here? Like, can we kick him out? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was kind of, I mean, I mean, they, they were almost, there were almost times where they were looking at the referee, like, do they have 12 men on the field? Like, do we have to cover him? So, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a it's a snowball effect because when your offense decides that they're just going to quit uh, after they hit the three touchdown mark and then your defense is on the field a bunch and one of the one of the things Georgia Southern's offense is supposed to be able to do is run out the clock well they weren't doing that so they were giving Georgia State possession after possession after possession you know and you you give a quarterback like like I said Brown I mean the time of possession was almost dead equal it was within, I think, 40 seconds of the entire game. So, you know, clearly Georgia Southern needs to be more of a ball control offense. But, I mean, like I said, I've said this before, DeBess has no clue, had no clue what he was doing. He had no idea what he had. He had no idea how to, how to best utilize anyone on that team. So we'll see where the team goes from there. But like I said, good win for Georgia State. Uh, I think I said mm-hmm. last week, I think this was a coin flip game for me. Both teams were so inconsistent coming into this one. I just had no idea what to expect. So, um, But in this one, Georgia Southern drops to 6-4 and four this season, 4-3 four and three in conference play. Uh, Georgia State drops to five, or goes to 5-4 and four, uh, and 4-4 four and four in conference play. Um, 
a game that was not close by any stretch. Uh, speaking of, we had kind of said the last two, uh, I had brought up the stat last week that the last two meetings between uh, Louisiana and ULM had been decided by a combined four points. Uh, the Cajuns were making sure that that was not going to be an issue in this one, Fidel. Yeah, uh, yeah, Brian, it was, yeah, I think I said in the podcast, I didn't think it was going to be close, even though you did bring up that stat, and yeah, it was not. Well, the first quarter looks to be promising. It was 21-14 to 14 after one. You think, well, that's going to be a shootout, but then uh, Louisiana just kind of opened the floodgates, and, and Monroe only scored six points in the fourth quarter, and yeah, it was just a it was a tale of two teams. Uh, Louisiana uh, outgained them total offense five eleven to two forty seven. Monroe had three turnovers. Um, How about yeah, this? Was, just really quick, you uh, the Cajuns at one point scored thirty five unanswered from the beginning of the second quarter until, like you said, the top of the fourth quarter when ULM finally, you know, they recovered a fumble for a touchdown. So. Credit yeah. to them. Yeah, I saw the. I was following the scores, and I saw that, and I was just, woo! I was man. So I had to do a little digging just to see what the, you know, the 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 score if it had any uh, historical significance. And it's the largest margin of victory in this rivalry. And the seventy points that Louisiana dropped was seven points shy of their all-time single uh, single game record, which was seventy-seven that they set last year against Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was, yeah. This was a this was a blowout to the nth degree. Uh, the Louisiana had they, these games have been close between uh, Louisiana and Monroe, uh, but the Cajuns have won seven of the last nine. And yeah, it was yeah. There was nothing much to analyze other than the first quarter, just a blowout. Yeah. Um, you know, the Cajuns kind of turned uh, Levi Lewis uh, loose a bit. He threw three touchdowns, uh, albeit just 147 yards passing. Uh, Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell each had at least 90 yards rushing and a score between them. Lewis also ran for two touchdowns uh, in addition to throwing three. Um, yeah, I think they just got kind of fed up about the last two years being so close and it being on a razor's edge. I think they were just like, let's go out and just leave absolutely no doubt uh, in anyone's mind who the better team is. Uh, yeah, the Warhawks have just been so bad this year that I just felt like they just they don't really have any chance. Um, you know, I, I they're they're going to close this season winless uh, more than more often or more likely than not. You know, they still get Arkansas State and Troy. Arkansas State's been a rough team up to this point, but I don't feel like they're bad enough to hand ULM their first win of the year. And Troy's been all over the map, but I think at the very least they'll do enough to to keep ULM at bay. So just a tough season for the Warhawks. You almost have to wonder uh, if it's time to move on from head coach Matt Viator. I mean, it it's going to be tough to, to just eat an 0-11 season and look at next year and go, things are going to be much different. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I've always uh, I've always uh, sang his praises in um, in uh, previews and in, in past years. And it's just kind of one of those things where, yeah, if, if they go winless, it's it's going to be hard not to not to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
figure out that, you know, they got to go a different direction or something like that. It was, yeah, it was, uh, I was very surprised how bad they were doing that they're doing this year. I, uh, I know, you know, they didn't have the offense, you know, identity as they did last year, losing a four year starter at quarterback. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm just kind of, kind of shocked of just how bad they're doing. And it's not, it's not like they're losing close games or they're, you know, Oh, barely edging out or anything like that. It's just all across the board. Statistics wise, everything score wise, just mm-hmm. execution, the highlights, there's hardly any. It's just one of those things where it's just bad all the way around. It's just one of those, those teams that you'll have every year in the FBS that just look horrendous up and down mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams, everything. And it's unfortunate, but Hey, someone's got to do bad for other teams to do good. So, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, our Louisiana writer, Matt Miguez has come on this podcast a few times and, and honestly, you know, outside of just, you know, kind of being chippy about like being rivals just in general has honestly said, and I, and I wasn't familiar with this, that ULM just doesn't seem to have the, the athletic budget. Um, that a lot of these other schools do, and that's kind of been an issue uh, for them with their football program, and it's extended, you know, kind of beyond just the athletic department in general. But uh, anyway, uh, Louisiana easily cruises to eight and one this season, six and one in conference play in this one. UL Monroe drops to zero and nine and zero and six in Sun Belt play. Uh, getting into the next game of the night. Uh, South Alabama was able to come away with a seven point win over Arkansas state 38, 31. Um, You know, I think we both said coming into this one uh, that this was kind of going to be a test for both of these teams. Like who wants to stay out of the Sunbelt basement? Um, Yeah. (laughs) And South Alabama said, not me. Uh, And uh, yeah, was able to come away with a win over the Red Wolves in this one. Yeah, something had to give in this game. It's uh, two teams just underperforming. Uh, Jaguars were coming in with a four-game losing streak. Um, the anomaly of this game is that Arkansas State, they outgained uh, South Alabama on total offense, uh, even won the turnover battle, um, but just couldn't come away with the win. And coincidentally, uh, South Alabama pulled an Arkansas State, not by choice, doing the whole two-quarterback thing, uh, uh, Desmond Trotter got hurt and uh, freshman Tanner McGee made his debut uh, did pretty good 145 yards on 75% completion rate two touchdowns um, yeah they, it was it was uh, they they lost their quarterback and uh, still pulled it out Arkansas State was still going with the with the two quarterback uh, system uh, Logan Bonner obviously had the better day throwing four touchdowns so uh, you know, it, it, it was, yeah, it's like you said, who wanted it more, who wanted to stay out of the basement, uh, South Alabama, you know, they, they cut that losing streak out and Arkansas state, they're just continuing to free fall. Yeah. So Arkansas state now has lost five in a row, uh, after starting three and two this season would have been hard to believe after they sat, you know, three and two in their first five games that they would, and especially after they beat Kansas state, you know, it, it'd be really, it was really hard to imagine them falling in their next five consecutive games. Uh, in this one, it was honestly the Jalen Tolbert show. I mean, 10 catches, 
uh, for South Alabama, 10 catches, 252 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Arkansas State, we knew, struggled defensively, but they just had absolutely no answer for Jalen Tolbert. Uh, and then on the other side, Jonathan Adams Jr. You know, continues his uh, stellar campaign. He had nine catches for 138 yards and two scores from Logan Bonner. Um, you know, like you said, weird stat that uh, that Arkansas State was able to outgain South Alabama. Uh, and South and Arkansas State won the turnover battle too, which is strange. So I think it almost speaks to how bad their defense is that they can have more yards and not turn the ball over once and still lose by seven. Yeah, they did the same thing against Texas State, where they just they out. It was eleven hundred and fifty yards of total offense in that game, and Arkansas State had one hundred and fifty yards uh, more on the Bobcats, but it was just those moments where they needed to get a stop. Uh, they didn't. And it's the same thing in this game. The defense just kind of let down, uh, let down the team and South Alabama was able to capitalize on that. And um, yeah, they, they played the better game. Uh, it doesn't matter if you outgain them by 400 yards, but you know, score says a different thing and that's what all that matters. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, South Alabama moves to four and six with the win three and four in conference play. Arkansas State, like I said, uh, three and seven, one and six in conference play this year might only get another win against UL Monroe at this point as far as we're looking ahead. So the final game of the night, App State uh, welcomed Troy to Boone and absolutely handled the Trojans. 47 to 10 really taking uh their frustrations from the coastal game out on the poor trojans uh you know halftime was rough for uh troy in this one you know app held a 34 to 10 lead uh including got out to a 28 0 lead to start this game vidal i have a question for you uh if Mm -hmm. you're troy uh in the second quarter down 28 to nothing and you kick a field goal, is that the saddest play in sports? Um, no, the saddest play would be if it got blocked or just went wide left. <laughs> just like <laughs> if it just went wide right Florida State style and just you just shanked it knowing that to get you're trying to get some points on the board and it just not isn't happening. But it does look for some reason that three does look pretty sad. You know, well, I think think the reason I said it was sad, I mean, you turn a four score game into a four score game with with a field goal. So you don't add anything, really. I mean, I know you don't want to get shut out and they were eventually able to score, you know, a touchdown in the third quarter or the second quarter. But I mean, it's so tough down 28 zero to be like, guys, let's get out there and kick that field goal so we can go down 25 instead. Yeah, I'd rather go out guns blazing, you know, hell, let's just go on fourth down, bomb it out, something, because, you know, obviously, you know, barring a miracle or, you know, lights going out or something, you know, we're not going to, you know, get this win. But, yeah, Apple uh, App State, they played a complete game on both sides of the ball. Their total offense, 554 yards. Uh, after heavy criticism of last week of Zach Thomas against Coastal Carolina, he put uh, put together a pretty good, uh, efficient game, kind of Phil Simms style, 22 for 29, 279, and four touchdowns. Um, Apps, uh, Malik Williams, the wide receiver for App State, had uh, seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. And then the rushing game, they had 275 
uh, rushing yards as a team, 7.23 yard per carry average. That's that. If you're putting up numbers like that, you're going to win every time. And also uh, on the defensive side, only allowed 231 yards. Uh, Troy uh, was forced to punt six times and they even had a pick six uh, at the end of the first quarter. And so, there's that's my takeaway from this game is that they just played a complete game and this is like this is the app state that we've come from uh you know they're come that's expect, familiar with yeah. us with that kind of game. um i think it's weird that they decided to let zach thomas rip uh one week after basically being eliminated from sunbelt title contention like you would think that in that game against coastal that's when you would want to let it to go all out and not wait until the final moments to to finally let him throw the ball but weirdly they decided that uh you know in the ninth game of their season they were finally gonna unleash zach thomas and it came you know it definitely paid off like you said 22 of 29 it it's just tough to to look at it and go well they've finally come around because i mean to be totally honest you know and, and I'll say this as a Georgia Southern fan, our season's over, their season's over. I mean, they're, they're going to go to a bowl game, but there's no hope to do anything else because the Sunbelt title game's set. So it's kind of weird to, to decide that game nine of your season, once you're out of contention, that that's when you're finally going to let your quarterback, you know, cook, so to speak, uh, as they say about Russell Wilson. But uh, App State able to just absolutely roll over Troy, forty-seven to ten. App State moves to seven and two this year, five and one in Sunbelt play. Troy drops to four and five, including two and three in Sunbelt play. So let's get into this upcoming weekend slate of games. Vidal, I have to ask you a question, uh, and I'm going to uh-huh. set this up for you. Louisiana takes on okay. App State. This game was postponed earlier in the year due to App State's COVID issues. And that was that was looking to be the precursor to, you know, App Coastal. However, with the Sunbelt title game being set in stone, it's Louisiana, it's Coastal. There's nothing that can happen to offset that. Uh-huh. Does this game matter for either team? I mean, outside of just bragging rights, quote unquote, air quotes, bragging rights. If you're Louisiana do you have any reason to play your starters? You don't want them to get injured before the actual game that matters. I mean, this game literally only matters on the, on the wins and losses column, but it doesn't contribute anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, yeah, do you, do you sit the starters in a, basically a meaningless game? But if you're a 18 to 23 year old playing on one of these teams, it's, especially if, if there's no NFL in the future for you, this is, you know, games like this still do matter. Um, I don't know if I, if, if I am Louisiana, I, I would maybe put my starters out there maybe at the beginning and then maybe pull them out. Mm-hmm. Um, just so they don't, just so they don't get completely, you know, gather rust and all that stuff. But it's also kind of hard when, you know, you're, Ranked number twenty-five, there's a ranking on the line. App State's uh, leads the series eight to zero, but I still think I don't know. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put my starters out there for too long because you know you got you got a big mountain to climb in that championship game and um uh you know yeah yeah it's no, just one of those, just one I, of those things where yeah I totally get it I mean 
he like you said all of those things are are well and good the ranking you know that all makes sense however the one thing i'll say is louisiana is already out of contention for being the g5 representative in the in the new year's six game right so mm-hmm. hypothetically if they beat coastal in the sunbelt title game they're going to the new orleans bowl which is i'm fairly sure is always the bowl that the the sunbelt winner goes to is the new orleans bowl to play i think the conference usa champion or something like that um with that said outside of maintaining their ranking there's nothing to be gained by from the cajuns here i mean this is a an all what what do you call it all loss no gain here or or whatever there's no upside if you win this game you just move a, a win over in the column of Sunbelt and total record. But the way that the voters are going to look at it, you're not going to gain any ground in the polls. You're probably going to hold where you are, even if you win this game. Like I said, there's the chance that you have a major contributor like a Levi Lewis or an Elijah Mitchell get injured in this game, which is worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing against a team that, I mean, to be totally fair, I know Louisiana lost to App twice last year, but again, App's already eliminated from postseason, you know, championship game contention. So there's nothing to be gained there. It's not even really a rivalry unless Louisiana sees it that way. So, I mean, I'm sorry, but if I'm Louisiana's head coach, like, I, I hate to take the, the wind out of everybody's sails about this game, but this couldn't have been scheduled at a worse time. This, this game means absolutely nothing for really either side. If App wins and they have two losses already on their schedule, they're not going to be ranked and take over where Louisiana sits. And if Louisiana wins, they're not going to move up in the polls anyway. So, I I don't know. I don't even really want to pick this game now because because now that I've talked about it in the in the way that the Cajuns might just you know sit their starters and play whoever and get some younger guys' experience. I mean, they've at least, I understand what you're saying about guys going to the pros, but they've at least got the Sunbelt title game and the bowl game at the very mm-hmm. least. So I, I don't know. There's not a lot, like I said, there's not a lot for either school to gain here. Now, App has nothing to play for. I mean, it's it's this, it's it's Georgia Southern, which is their, their rival, and then they got the bowl game after. So... Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, App, I totally understand if they want to roll their guys out there, they're not playing for anything. However, if Louisiana, like Levi Lewis rolls his ankle and can't play for the next few weeks, I mean, that that first meeting between Coastal and Louisiana was extremely close. You cannot take the risk of having a backup have to play against Coastal, who's 8-0 this season and is currently ranked, what, 18th in the country. So... I'm sorry. If you want to win the, if you want a chance, a better chance of winning the Sun Belt title game, I think Louisiana. You just kind of have to throw this game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's one of those games you can't take a chance like that. You know, you got bigger fish to fry later on, and uh, like you said, you know, apps kind of their destiny's already set uh, as far as you know they're going to get a bowl game, but you know, no championship, no you know, more than likely no rankings or anything like that. So yeah, it's one of those one of those games where you know before the season you look at it and you're like okay this could be a mar you know this could be a very very important matchup and now that it's here it's yeah you're right i mean of all the all the games we're gonna go over to be honest it's the it's not the least intriguing because it won't be good it's just the least intriguing because it's just two 
you know, Sunbelt, you know, powerhouses, but there's nothing really on the line. There's nothing no. at stake. Uh, if, if, if app wins, not a surprise. If yeah. I mean, Louisiana if, wins with their backups. If, good on if, them. If app and Louisiana had both beat coastal in some universe, this game would essentially be like just a precursor to next week's, you know, or two weeks title game because mm-hmm. the West is so bad. Louisiana was going to win it walking away, which they did. App that entire season, their entire season came down to the coastal game, which they lost. So, yeah, like like I said, this game just means absolutely nothing for either of these teams. So, I don't know. I'm maybe gonna pick it because I don't I don't know who's gonna play. I mean, there's like I said, there's no reason for for Louisiana starters to to play a full four quarters. Um, yeah. Moving on to Saturday's games, two o'clock kick Troy uh, inner Alabama. Uh, matchup here. Troy travels to Mobile to take on South Alabama. Uh, both teams with four wins so far this year. Troy is a four and a half point favorite. Uh, over under in this game was fifty four and a half. Uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to take the Jaguars just just by virtue of how inconsistent Troy has been in the last couple games. Yeah, I'm going to agree on, with you on that. Uh, both teams. They allow a lot of rushing yards, um, but themselves don't rush a whole lot. They barely break the 100-yard mark per game. So I'm looking for this to be a, a passing shootout kind of game. Uh, but I'm going to give the edge to South Alabama on this one because even though, like like I said, they give up a lot of – both teams give up a lot of rushing yards. I don't think either one of them is going to be able to rush for – I don't know. That's just what I think is going to happen. And I think this is just going to be a passing passing game. I think there'll be like six touchdowns combined between the teams uh, in the air. Yeah. So also, I just wanted to add this. Uh, Gunnar Watson came back. Uh, Troy's quarterback came back from injury uh, before their loss to Middle Tennessee State last week. In his past two games, he's thrown for uh, two touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, including, you know, he against App uh, last Saturday threw for 125 yards. I don't know if he's still dinged up and they rushed him back or he's just not up to speed uh, from where he once was, but he doesn't look as good now as he did early in the season. And just for that reason alone, I, I think I have to have more uh, faith in South Alabama, whoever's throwing the ball for them to get their playmakers, you know, Tolbert, Kawan Baker, Jalen Wayne, like all those guys, the ball out in space and just letting them work because I have no idea what I'm getting from Troy. They've, they've been really bad no matter who's their who their quarterback's been the last few games. So I, 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 I don't want to say South Alabama is a known quantity, but they're more, I'm more familiar with them at this point as to what they can do rather than Troy. Uh, so three o'clock, uh, as I said earlier, Arkansas state looks like they might get their fourth and final win of this season, taking on what's been a pretty hapless, I would say UL Monroe team. Arkansas state is a 21 point favorite. Think about this. They've lost their five last five games in a row and they're a three touchdown favorite. Yeah, I think, I think of any game, that Monroe can pull out, it would be against Arkansas state. Who's just been free falling. Um, 
But based on what we've seen so far this season, I think Arkansas State gets the win and breaks the losing streak. And unfortunately, Monroe, I think they're going to go on to be winless. Uh, they're on pace to have their worst record since 03 when they were 0-11, and, and I think they're going to be they're going to break that at 0-12. I don't know if they play a full 12 games, but I think they'll. I know they'll go winless. No, they do play 12 games. Excuse me. Yeah, I think they'll go 0-12. And Arkansas State, I think they'll win this. Uh, I think they'll win this uh, by three touchdowns, and they'll yeah. get back on track. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those things. They can they can have their fun rolling out their two-quarterback system. I'm sure both of them will do well uh, against a UL Monroe team that I don't want to say has given up, but at this stage in the season, I don't think it really matters if they gave up or not. Um, I think it's just kind of is what it is at this point, to be totally honest. Uh, so moving to the 530 game, uh, this game has been a surprise scheduling uh, with Liberty uh, dealing with a bunch of COVID issues at their school in Virginia. Coastal Carolina has actually scheduled BYU number 13, Brigham Young University. Uh, the game's going to be in Conway, South Carolina, uh, so Coastal has that edge. Uh, BYU is a double-digit favorite, uh, is also undefeated, is ranked higher than Coastal. I, I, we said this, I said this to you before we started recording. I kind of just have to roll with the team that's got the, the quarterback that everybody's looking at going in the first round of next year's NFL draft in Zach Wilson. I'm going to take BYU plus the points. I, I think they're a better team than Coastal is. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's not going to – I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Uh, BYU has been very impressive with wins over Houston, Boise State. They win by an average of 32.5 points per game. They're going to win, but I don't think it's going to be by that much. I think they're going to win by between 8 and 15 points. Um, Coastal, they have a lot of talent, have a very young quarterback, but – Zach Wilson for BYU has just been lighting it up. It's going to be an interesting game, though. We talked about, or I talked about the Troy and South Alabama game being a uh, a lot of passing that game. I think there's, this is going to be one of those games where it's just going to be a lot of passing yards, a lot of passing touchdowns. Both quarterbacks, BYU, Zach Wilson, and Coastal's Grayson McCall, combined this year have thrown 46 touchdowns and only three interceptions. And I think that trend's going to continue. I don't think they're going to go blow for blow. It's going to be... The, it's going to be something uh, in the rushing game that's going to put them over or someone's going to make one mistake and that's just going to be the downfall. But that's going to be on Coastal. Uh, I'm looking for BYU to pull it out. It's going to be a very, very uh, interesting game. They're doing the uh, uh, that the college, the, game, yeah, day. The college game day in uh, Conway, and that's kind of cool that uh, that's the first, you know, first time a Sunbelt school has hosted a college game day. Um and uh, it's going to be interesting because I know D- uh, Lee Corso does little the little uh, mascot heads. I wonder which uh, who's going to pick in this since you know they're both not big schools and you know obviously they're not the focus you know of a lot of those you know a lot of the people that are focused on the P five schools. But um, yeah, BYU. I I saw them. Uh, they I've they've just been destroying everyone, and um, I don't think they're going to destroy Coastal. I just think they're going to. They're just going to win impressively, and uh, yeah. But this is going to be this going to be a great game, uh, regardless. I'm going to say this: 
I, I have one point to make, and then I have a question that I'm going to throw at you. Okay. My one point is this scheduling, and, and obviously with COVID and everything, we don't want to wish bad <clears throat> ill on anybody or any school, rather. This rescheduling couldn't have come at a better time for Coastal because Liberty following their loss to NC State has kind of lost all their juice as far as being like a G5 school uh, and being ranked and all that kind of stuff. Like they fell out of the top 25 with that loss, everything else. Coastal both gets, I, I feel like if Coastal plays Liberty this weekend and it, go, it had went on as originally scheduled, Coastal doesn't host game day. If they win this game uh, and they're playing Liberty, nobody cares. I mean, I hate to say that, but like if Liberty's not ranked, Nobody's going to, on their face, is going to look at that and go, well, that's a good win for Coastal because that's going to be Liberty's second loss. So I think that this this was a really fortunate timing for Coastal Carolina. Uh, I think BYU was also getting a lot of heat because they said they would play anyone, anytime, anywhere. And then Washington came and asked them, do you want to come here uh, to Washington and play us? And they went, eh, we don't know. Not, not really sure. Not feeling it. So... Coastal both was able to probably put the pressure on BYU uh, from from everybody kind of roasting them for saying any place, any time, and then declining Washington's invitation. And also, they actually get a team that's that's currently ranked, is undefeated, is a group of five school. The question that I have for you is, the winner of this game, how high do they jump in the overall rankings, you know, top 25? I think... If Coastal wins, uh, man, I I think they are they a top eight school? Are they a top eight team come Tuesday? If if Coastal wins, I don't. I think they make it as far as ten. It just seems like mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the committee just doesn't like them, even if they beat a BYU team. But I think if BYU wins, they get that another ranked win on their schedule and. You know, I think they, I think they could break the top eight, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of muddy because there's just a lot of uh, G five schools that are that just seem to have that. Uh, I guess the committee feels like they they'll earn that break over, say, uh, BYU or Coastal. But I could be wrong. But mm-hmm. I think either way, I think. Coastal has the most to gain from this just because, you know, this is their uh, by far greatest season ever. And if they can beat BYU, it'll rank up there uh, with, you know, one of their biggest wins in their program history. But as far as, you know, the committee seeing that kind of, you know, feel good story sort of thing, that's they don't they don't have any feelings. I think they're all just robots and don't care. So they (laughs) I just don't think that. I don't think that even if Coastal wins, unless they blow out BYU like horrendously, something catastrophic happens. Yeah. You know, they leave the playbooks on the bus or something like that. BYU doesn't know what they're doing, or I don't know. Uh, I think if they're very impressive, I think they'll crack the top eight. But I think if they just beat B- BYU by you know a reasonable margin, I think they just get maybe to ten. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's totally fair. Um, so moving on to the final game of Saturday, uh, six o'clock kick uh, in Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, Georgia Southern welcomes Florida Atlantic, a game that was rescheduled for 
uh, earlier this season. Uh, Florida Atlantic was supposed to come to Statesboro um, week two, I want to say, and ended up having to cancel due to COVID issues. So this game was moved to December. This is a tough game for me to look at because I've obviously made my points about Georgia Southern and and the way that they've played. I'm not going to go back over those. The reason it's tough is Florida Atlantic, when you look at their schedule, has not really played anybody this season that really jumps off the page at you. Uh, or, or rather, let me let me re- reiterate. Uh, Marshall is the one team that jumps off the page that they've played this year. They lost twenty to nine. Uh, outside of that, I mean, they've got wins over Charlotte to beat UTSA. Western Kentucky, Florida International, and UMass. UMass is legitimately the worst football team I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> Georgia Southern played them earlier this year. I said this when we did the podcast that week. It UMass looks like you just grabbed 50 dudes out of the stands and went, do you want to come down here and play? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know what to take away from, from Florida Atlantic. I think tentatively, I have no reason to, even though I follow them every week, uh, I have no reason to really believe in Georgia Southern at this stage of the season. I think they're pretty much done. Um, and and they reflect that on the field, to be totally honest. So I'm going to take Florida Atlantic in this one. I think they win in a close one. Uh, I, I can't, in good conscience, pick a Georgia Southern team that just quits in the second half of football games. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Florida Atlantic either. They're a pretty good rushing team. They've got over almost... 1200 yards and and 10 touchdowns in their six games so we know there's going to be a lot of rushing in this game uh Mm -hmm. but yeah but florida atlantic their their last two wins were against florida international and and umass uh who you mentioned earlier and they're combined zero and nine so it's kind of i said this about the army georgia southern game where i said they didn't play anybody and then they ended up winning um so i I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Georgia Southern win just because I was wrong the last time and I can't I can't see you know I can't see Georgia Southern losing to Florida Atlantic um, I don't know I just don't I, I just don't think it's gonna happen I'm just not there's their only really signature win Florida Atlantic was against UTSA and it was a 24-3 win. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in Florida Atlantic unless they do something spectacular, but I think Georgia Southern is going to pull it out. Well, I, I think the the one thing for me is Florida Atlantic's defense, at least by the numbers, is pretty impressive. Um, you know, they've played six games this year. They're allowing 11 points per game. Um, I think the strength of both defenses is the ability to stop the run, uh, and the strength of both offenses is running the football. So... Um, the over-under for this game is really low. It's 42 points. I think the team that is able to uh, get something through the air, like you don't have to be an air raid offense, just the team that's finally willing to break through and say, hey, we're willing to throw it just to give the other defense something to account for, I think is going to be the team to win this game. And with Shy Wirtz, uh, George Southern's quarterback, having a, a hurt shoulder, I don't really know what his status is for this Saturday's game. Uh, Justin Tomlin, the backup, uh, has turned the ball over a ton 
in like three games he's played this year. So I don't feel comfortable taking any, any Georgia Southern team that Justin Tomlin's leading in the year 2020. So I'm going to take, like I said, Florida Atlantic. I think, I think the Owls win in a close one. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I think that they're at least capable of putting the ball in the air and not just immediately throwing it to the other team. Uh, So I'm going to take the Owls. Um, so Vidal, to wrap up here, any final thoughts? Uh, what are you looking for out of this weekend? And tell the folks where they can find you on social media. Well, Brian, uh, of course, that BYU Coastal Carolina game, that carries a lot of weight. I think that's going to be the game that everyone watches. Um, it's going to be a good game. Said BYU is going to win probably probably by 10. Um, I'm going to say about that Georgia Southern Florida Atlantic game, someone's going to score – some odd number in that game, like a five or 12 or, or something like that. Somebody's going to score. It's going to be a low scoring game, but I have a feeling that someone's going to have a, an odd, an odd score at the end. It's going to be one of those numbers you don't see every day. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vidal underscore Espinoza. Uh, you'll find all my uh, retweeted uh, recaps and previews and whatnot. And uh, including this podcast, once it goes up, but you're done for the year. You're unshackled from college football. Like, I know that you obviously don't want, you know, the, the season ending is kind of a depressing note. However, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Your team's <laughs> done, man. Like, you, you've been you've been freed from the bondages of, of watching your team every Saturday and biting your nails. Uh, so, so credit to you for that. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I'm going to watch the Georgia Southern game. However, I'm not going to watch it with the same level of intensity, I guess would be the word, that I have their last couple contests, just because it really feels like this team is like a balloon that's slowly deflating. And by the end of the season, when they play app, I think they're just going to be dead. Like, I think this this balloon is just going to be flat. Uh, so... Um, I'm honestly going to be, I'm going to have the the remote definitely flipping back and forth from ESPN, what, plus uh, to ESPN U, uh, just because, I mean, let's be real, if Georgia Southern wins this game, it's not going to change anything for them one way or the other. I mean, they could come out and score a thousand points and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, they've, they've single-handedly taken themselves out of contention for anything. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm going to keep a close eye on BYU Coastal Carolina. I may watch Georgia Southern uh, Florida Atlantic on a laptop uh, and watch BYU Coastal on the big screen because at least that game has two teams that look like they know what they're doing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I guess there are. It's tough to say we're going to be back next week. I'll say that. There are three games uh, next Saturday. Uh, we'll be recapping this past weekend of games. I think what would be best is we come back next week, we review this past week's games, talk about the three upcoming games for the weekend, but then we really dig into the Sunbelt title game mm-hmm. uh, just because that is obviously the most important thing coming up. Uh, I'm not as invested as you would believe in Arkansas State and Incarnate Word. Uh, so I think I think the, the key is going to be breaking down Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, we'll, we'll loop that in with only three games to talk about for the, the weekend of the 12th. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will be back 
next week for another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Thank you.